many of you know that uh, the company I'm a part of does a lot of work at John Deere. And uh, we, we're all down in Des Moines. I mean, we all live here, but our work is all in Des Moines. Go figure, since there's John Deere closer to us. But we do work at John Deere. And, um, and so we're in there all the time and talking with people. And, and we really get to know the people that we're working with. And this summer, midsummer, uh, we started hearing rumors that there was going to be a reorganization. It's no big deal. It was just going to be a little reorganization. Those things happen at big companies all the time. Then later in the summer, we started hearing, you know what? This reorganization is going to be more of a restructure. Still no big deal. I mean, that that happens all the time. Then we start hearing rumors, just rumors at first, that John Deere was going to have to do something unusual. They, they don't do very often. They were going to lay off some people. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now comes kind of worse news for us. We're contractors at John Deere, and it starts coming out, you know, little hushes around the hallways, that contractors were going to be really affected. Uh, there was going to be some people with, without contracts renewed. Um, maybe not at all. Then we start hearing uh, the, the press actually, they, John Deere actually announces they're doing some layoffs. That was a little one. <laughs> if you can't see him up here, he's like holding his ears. Um, then, but, but they announce their layoffs and this reorganization doesn't happen because what is told is, well, it's, there's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot to figure out. We have a lot of work to do. We'll announce it at the beginning of next month. At the middle of next month. At the end of that next month. And then nothing. And then just silence. And someday, we don't know when the day is going to be, there's going to be some announcement that we don't know what it is. (laughs) It's tension, isn't it? This tension that builds up. When we start hearing things that are going to happen some point in the future and it's going to change everything. That right there. I'm sorry. I'm glad you didn't cry. I'm so. (laughs) Maybe it just hasn't started yet. (laughs) I know that one, too. (laughs) That tension right there, that that thing. Now, this is where you see into inside my strange mind. That's. How I picture Christmas <laughs> every year. And it's not because relatives are coming over. There's that, too. <laughs> uh, my family has their share. Um, but no, it's it's the message of Christmas. It's what's happened on Christmas, because the scripture from the first from the first page, we get into chapter three of, of uh, Genesis and and the fall happens and the serpents there and the woman's there and the man's there and and God is there and God says this is this is not what's supposed to happen this is terrible and he and he and he gives some declarations to each but when he gives his declaration to the serpent to evil 
He says, I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. It's the first prophecy in the Bible, right at the very beginning. And it is the first puff into the balloon. Look, serpent, look, evil. This isn't over. You just caused a fall and it's going to be bad. You are going to strike the heel. But I'm telling you right now, her offspring, someday, somewhere, her offspring is going to crush your head. He is going to put you out of business. He is going to get rid of you. The first prophecy in the Bible. And then though, right? It's, it gets confusing. It, it get, we get like mixed messages. The Bible story from there, this long, beautiful thread, is just like these series of ups and downs. You know, we start get, do we start doing good and we got the Tower of Babel. We start doing, well, we didn't do good, but we, we grew and then we, and then we got Noah. And then we got Abraham. He's finally called, but he only has two kids and it doesn't seem to make sense. And then, and then Abraham's people start growing and they're growing so much that then they have to become slaves. Egypt doesn't trust them. So then they're slaves. What and what? And then we got Joseph and Joseph seems like he's, but then it doesn't, it doesn't happen. And then we got Moses gets called and Moses is going to come rescue and he rescues and then they go to the desert and it, what? It just, it just, ugh, it just never happens. It keeps building and then going away. And then it gets into the promised land and the promised land is good and it's what it's supposed to be, but it just, it, ugh, it just doesn't stay. They fight and they war and they split with each other and, 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 they, and ultimately they're carried off as captives. They, they, they doesn't, that doesn't even hang together. And then we get all this prophecy, all this prophecy. And the prophets just keep saying what that first prophet, prophet was saying. This is gonna end. God is gonna come and he's gonna take over and he's gonna crush, but it doesn't happen. And then, and then, After all that, we get this 400 years, 400 years of uncomfortable silence. It just sits. It just, it's just full, but nobody knows what's going to happen. Were the prophets wrong? I, I don't think so. It just sits there. And then Christmas. I mean, it's just it just bursts out of heaven. Oh, it scared someone else. I'm sorry. Now I got another cry. <laughs> this was a grown-up though, so I'll, I'll look this way for a second. <laughs> the angels just boom out. I picture it like, uh, this is going to be an uncomfortable picture too, but you know how you see those videos of bats, millions of bats coming out of a cave? That's what it's, that's what it's like. The angels just... And they fill the skies. And they fill the skies and they say, it's happening. That day we've been talking about is finally coming. So, keep that picture. We're starting a new series. And this new series is uh, examining Christian uh, hymns, songs, carols of the Christmas season. Looking at them and looking at how they have this theology built right into them. I'm not that specific. The hymn I'm talking about today, Hark the Herald's Angels Sing. Hark the I, I did it to myself. Okay, guys, this is an inside joke. Only you and me. Well, there's a lot of you. I thought it was funny, cute to call it Herald, like spelled with an O in my notes. 
I just was joking with myself. Hark the herald. Like, ha, 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 heralds are talking. It's not. And there's no S on it. There's no, it's not heralds. Hark the, there's a lot of heralds were singing in my notes. And I was laughing at myself. And I swore I would not say it, but I did. Okay, back to real. The, 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 the song I'm going to be singing, uh, not singing. You guys got me all goofed up now. The song we're going to be talking about is Hark the Herald, Herald Angels Sing. And it's this, it is this amazing song that's just exactly like that. This, this boom of the angels coming flying out at you. And we'll get to that. First, I'm going to tell you uh, a little bit about how it was written in some history. Some people are interested in this kind of thing. Uh, the history of these songs. This, this poem, this, uh, this, the, the words that we sing were written by a guy named Charles Wesley. You might know his brother John, John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church. Um, Charles was the 18th son, 18th kid. I don't know if they were all boys. 18th, he was a son though, so that still works. 18th son of his mom and dad. I, I don't know how that happened, but, uh, big, big family. And his dad was a preacher and they all, they all were like, uh, born and raised as Christian people. Charles and John both started attending Oxford in 1727. They started this Bible study group. And this Bible study group was like militant kind of Bible study group. Like they were going to know everything about the Bible. And their peers started calling them names. They called them the Holy Ones. They called them the Sacramentalists. And they called them the Methodists. That was that was a put down. They were Methodists. They were they were too strictly following a method. And uh, so people were saying they're the Methodists. Isn't that interesting? Uh, so they had this, they had this, they had this Bible study. Then they come, they come to the American colonies. His, uh, John and, uh, Charles, they come to the American colonies. Um, we weren't yet a country. And they, uh, Charles worked at a, uh, 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 army base, a military base. He didn't like it at all. He didn't get along very well. He goes back to England. Um, and he, get this, converts to Christianity. Surprise! I mean, he was, he was all into it. He was all, he knew everything there was. It's kind of like Paul, isn't it? He knew everything there was. But it wasn't until later in his life that he's like, wait, I get it. I get it in a whole different kind of way. I, I understand it. I feel it. And then his brother John converts to Christianity three days later. Sibling rivalry much, John? I mean, Come on, that can't really be serious. But no, John has the same, John has the exact same experience three days later. And then John goes on and, 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 uh, and creates the Methodist Church and really, really does a great thing, uh, for the church. He's a, he's an amazing evangelist. He spreads the word of God in amazing kinds of ways. And Charles, his brother, starts writing hymns and writes and writes and writes. And there's stories about how he would write uh, 50 lines a day or something. He had, he had a very uh, methodological way of doing it. Um, he wrote and he wrote and he wrote. Um, uh, and, he, and he wrote this particular poem that we're going to be looking at today. Hark the Herald, the Angels Sing. Um, now we get a hundred years later and um, a guy named Felix Mendelssohn, you may, might have heard of, great classical composer, composes a, a whole a big thing for the, the celebration of Gutenberg's printing press, a 400-year like anniversary of, hey, it's the printing press. Um, and so they, they have music and Felix Mendelssohn writes this music and he says, uh, this is to celebrate that. And uh, interesting little tidbit, he said, he, you know, in that day, everyone knew that everyone's going to be borrowing music from each other and doing, and he said specifically, 
you can borrow this music. Just don't use it for any religious purposes. Okay, we won't. Uh, even though funny, you know, like the reason the Gutenberg is awesome is because it was printing Bibles. But we won't talk about that. Um, so, so he says that. And then uh, another 50 years after that, this, other, this guy picks up the pieces, Felix Mendelssohn's uh, tune and Hart the Herald poem, and he puts them together, and that's the song that we know. There is one little other tidbit I'll tell you about. Um, Charles, one of Charles' best friends, who was in that Bible study with him uh, in the early days, changed a few words, just a few little words, because he wanted to make it more understandable, because the original words were, uh, Hark how all the welkin rings, not so catchy, Glory to the King of Kings. And uh, his friend's like, what in the world's a welkin? I don't know. Um, just so you know, it's, it means the, the hosts, the heavens. Hark, the heavens ring. Um, so, welkin rings. So, he changed it to the, what we know. Um, hark, the herald angels sing. The herald. You guys are going to laugh at that. Even, you're, gonna, you're not going to remember one thing I say, except, oh, it was heralds that sang. Ah. <laughs> it's all you're going to remember. I know. So, I just, we'll just stop now. No, anyway, he changed it, and, and, and uh, this, this shows you a little insight onto how strict they were. Um, Charles was furious, furious, because it wasn't a literal uh, translation of what the Bible said. Because this guy added the word sings, and the scripture never said that the angels sing. The scripture says that the angels came out and, and declared or proclaimed, they didn't sing. Also, the scriptures don't say that the angels were talking about the sun, which is what we sing. They say they're, that they're singing, um, what do they sing? Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. I've studied this, I swear. Uh, they're not talking about him. They say, glory to the king of kings. So Charles was furious. And in fact, this is a great uh, quote um, somewhere in my notes. Oh, here this is what Charles had to say about that. I must beg of them one of these two favors. And but the them is people who are going to publish this in the future. Either let my hymns stand just as they are, take them for better or for worse, or add the true reading in the margins or at the bottom of the page so that we may no longer be accountable either for the nonsense or the doggerel of another man. <laughs> he was pretty upset about those that word change right there. Anyway, but, but this is this. Let's get back to this hymn. Uh, and I want to reset the stage uh, of the balloon pop. I want to get us back to that moment. I'm going to look just at a, a, a couple of scriptures that, uh, again, I want you to listen for this like, this like tension that gets built up. This is Psalm 102, 18. Let this be written for a future generation. The people who are not yet created may praise the Lord. That, he's referring to you guys. So now this is cast into the future by the psalmist. The Lord looked down from his sanctuary on high. From heaven he viewed the earth to hear the groans of the prisoners and to release those who are condemned to death. That's all of us. That's all of you. God looks down and, he's, and he hears our groans. And he says, I'm going to release them from their prison, from their, from their oppression, from the suffering, from the fall. He looks down from his sanctuary on high, to hear the groans of the prisoners and release those who are condemned to death. So the name of the Lord will be declared on Zion and his praise in Jerusalem. And when all the peoples and the kingdoms will assemble and worship the Lord. Do you feel, do you feel like this psalmist is saying sometime, sometime in the future, this is going to happen. Isaiah uh, 59 writes this, Behold, 
The Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save or his ear dull that he cannot hear. But your inequities have made a separation between you and God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he cannot hear. There's a separation. You cannot be around him anymore. You, you and God can't be together, even though that's the, the, the most natural way it should be. The, the way it was created to be isn't the way it is. There's this stress. There's a strain. It's supposed to be something that it's not. And in Romans 8, uh, for creation waits an eager expectation. Creation. I love this. Creation. The trees wait in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from bondage and decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. Isn't that amazing? Like rocks are like... Isn't that crazy? We know that the whole creation has been groaning uh, as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption into sonship, sonship, the redemption of our bodies. Isn't that... So there we are, just... And the first verse uh, of this hymn, we can put that hymn up now. The first verse of this hymn, I think, the, the entire first verse is dedicated to just that kaboom! It's here. And we should, we should, as we sing, and by the way, if it's not obvious already, you guys are going to be singing this hymn later. And so you're going to be re, re-saying these words. We should, as we sing through these words, look at that and say, hark, the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. It's, it's finally here. It's finally happening. This, this, this scene happens in Luke uh, chapter 2. There are shepherds living in a field nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terrified. But the angel said, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. You're thinking Snoopy right now. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you that you will find a baby wrapped in the clothes and lying in a manger. And then the next line, suddenly... A great multitude, a great company of the host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, not singing, glory to God in the highest heaven. A great multitude. They just... I remember a teaching, maybe you guys do too, of Ed Baker talking about how many of them there were. How many of these angels there were. And I don't, I don't remember where it all came from, but I just remember him saying it was uncountable. They, they just, they just like bats out of the cage, just, but why? Why? Why am I so hung up on this? Why is that so exciting? Because heaven was just like wanting it. Heaven was wanting it, wanting us to come back. And Christmas is this time where it's like heaven finally like can't stand it anymore. Okay, we're doing it. Boom! Let's get us back together. Let's bring us back. And so this, this song just starts off with that kind of amazing peace on earth, mercy mom. What's, I mean, it's not just like peace on earth, da da da. And no, no, you were subjected. You cannot get back to God on your own. Peace, peace between heaven and, and earth is a huge deal. 
It's a thing that wasn't before and now is. It was a thing that was just couldn't happen. We couldn't have peace. And now we have it. Peace on earth. It's like you should aggressively sing this song. Peace on earth. And mercy mild. God and sinners are, are reconciled. Remember what I just read to you a little bit ago? You can't be reconciled. You're in a spot where you can't be. There's Your inequities have made a separation between you and God. I read out of Isaiah. You can't be reconciled. But now you can. God and sinners are reconciled. Joyful. All you nations rise. I read you that thing that says all the nations are going to come and start praising God. Right? I, that was out of Scripture. Joyful all you nations rise. The nations are going to stand up. I also love the picture of being subjected to slavery. Being subjected to death. We're just like, as humanity, we're laying on our faces. Joyful, all you nations rise. That's coming right out of Scripture. We are going to rise up. We are going to stand up straight and be able to acknowledge the joy of peace. Join the triumph of the skies. I don't even need to keep saying that. It's amazing. The skies were just filled with angels who were triumphantly saying, this is happening now. With angelic hosts proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. So that first, that first, uh, verse of this, of this hymn, I think is just the, the balloon popping. <laughs> just the energy getting let out of heaven and saying, we are here. It is happening. All that tension that was built up is happening now. Okay. I've, have I made that point? <laughs> uh, next two verses. The next two verses then, uh, our Charles Wesley, in his very theological mind, starting to just kind of lay out who this Jesus is. So he's like, he first just declares that it happened. And then he lays it out and he says, guess what? Here's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about this guy that was prophesied all along. They called him all kinds of things. They called him Emmanuel. They called him, uh, they called him the Christ. They called him the Messiah. They called him all this stuff. And we're going to get into each of those. And so... Charles just starts saying, this is the guy. This is why I'm so excited. Because all those prophecies are in this guy. All right, so go to the next slide. Um, Christ. We start out. I mean, right there, we could just stop and not go any farther if we wanted to. Christ. It's not his name. It's his title. He is the anointed one. That's what that translates into. The anointed one. Again, and I think, I think we've taught on this. There's tension in that word itself. Because there's all these anointed ones that are coming along. All these priests who are being anointed. And that anointing is, is saying, you are the one who can translate between God and man. But they're all temporary. That anointed one goes away. That anointed one goes away. And it's just like this, oh, are we ever going to get to where we can just talk? The anointed one is coming. The final one. The one that's never going to need another anointed one is coming. That's what the scriptures are saying. Da, over and over and over. And then we get to the New Testament and it's like, this is the Christ. The anointed one. The final guy. And so he starts right off by saying, Christ. The anointed one is here. By highest heaven adored. He is the one in heaven that everyone else looks to and, and is saying, you are the Christ. Christ, the everlasting Lord. It's the last of the anointed ones. <laughs> the last anointed one. That's why it's the anointed one. 
late in time, that's, you know, speaking to this tension. Why did it take so long? I don't know. But it's here now. Offspring of a virgin's womb, veiled in flesh. These next three sentences are so great. Offspring of a virgin's womb, veiled in flesh for the Godhead see, hailed incarnate deity. They're all saying, they're all telling this one story. This is man-God. This is God with flesh. This is a, a, a God who came from a, a, a virgin's womb, but also was God. God created. That's why virgin's womb. And, 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 and the flesh with Godhead in it. We can see uh, that, uh, well, it's veiled. <laughs> veiled in flesh. But the Godhead is in there. Um, and then incarnate. You guys know what the word means, right? Incarnate. It is literally God made flesh. God made flesh. So this is the God who, who came and, 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 and showed himself in his flesh. And now, you know, this is one of my favorite phrases too. Pleased as man with men to dwell. I don't, I don't know if you remember any of my previous talks about dwell. I love the word dwell. I'm, it's so amazing. It's another one of these just long, long strips. Uh, um, in Exodus, God looks down when, when man is just kind of all in this scattered thing. And we're in the desert and things aren't going well. And he looks down and he says, I want to be with you. I'm going to dwell with you. Pitch me a tent and I'll dwell in it. <laughs> and everyone's like, what? And then, and then they make the temple and he says, make me this temple and I'm going to dwell in it. I'm going to live in it. And then we get to the New Testament and John says, he's the one who's going to dwell with you. I remember Alice just a few weeks ago saying, uh, quoting the message, uh, the message and saying that the, the translation there was, and he's going to move into the neighborhood. <laughs> Isn't that a great phrase? He wants to live with us. He wants to dwell with us. And then we get to Revelation chapter 21 and we get the final, like God, God's announcing his, and he says, finally, I'm going to dwell with man in the way I want to. Pleased as men, with men to dwell. He's pleased with you. He wants to dwell with you. He's bursting forth from heaven just so he can be closer to you. Jesus, our Emmanuel, you know what the word Emmanuel means? God with us. God with us. God dwells with us. Those two lines go together. Jesus is the God with us. God desperately wants to be with us. And so he says, okay, let's do it. Kicks down the door of heaven, comes on in, and now he's dwelling. Jesus is our Emmanuel. All right, next one. There we go. Again, hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace, Mighty King, right? You hear the script, you hear the Old Testament scriptures. Hail the Son of Righteousness. That's not a typo, by the way, the S-U-N. Uh, that's an interesting story. I don't have a lot of time for that, but, uh, that, that's coming from a prophecy in Malachi. Malachi says there will be a, a, a rising sun that will have healing in its wings. And if you look down two lines, risen with healing in its wings. That comes from that same Malachi. There's, a, there will be a rising sun with healing in its wings. And then we get, um, uh, what's the guy's name, uh, the priest that was in Luke, um, uh, and he had to be quiet for a long time. Zechariah, thank you very much. I would love to say I knew that and I was quizzing you, but I really did forget his name. And we get Zechariah, you know, with these same images of Jesus is the one raising, the sun rising. And we get this amazing story of, of Jesus who's just walking through the courts and, uh, and a woman touches his wing. Because that, by the way, that word in Malachi can mean robe. It's the same word, wings and robes. 
And this woman touches his wing and, and she's healed. There's healing in his wings, in his robes. And she says, I knew, I knew if I touched it, I would be healed because she knew this scripture from Malachi. Light and life. Uh, again, that's an entire thing. Light goes from the, from the first verses of the Bible to the last verses of the Bible. In the beginning, God created and he said, let there be light. And there was light. Ah, yes, but only a few days later, he, 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 uh, he creates the things that make light. What? How weird is that? He makes the things that make light after he made light? So what is light? Wait a second. Let's, let's think about that again. Light is the truth. Light is the thing that is going to illuminate all of the truth. We get way down here into Revelation and it says, and guess what? Man doesn't need the sun anymore because we got light. We got real light. We got Jesus light. How cool is that? Jesus is that light that is the truth that illuminates all. Mild he lays by glory by. <laughs> lays his glory by. Philippians, right? Philippians. Be like Jesus, who despite the fact that he had equality with God, didn't consider it something to be grasped, to be held onto. He gave it away. He laid it by. He laid his glory aside for us. Mild he lays his glory by. And then, of course, the, like, born, the last three, born that no man, no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. I mean, clearly, Jesus says, very truly, I'll tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. Jesus answers, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and flesh. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit the Spirit is life. Jesus is here to do that. To, to reconcile. To regenerate. To rebirth the entire system. To bring us all back to before the fall. Now, we're going to sing that song. And I hope, you, I hope you're like, whoa. That's not a mall song. That is some serious theology. All right, I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, thanks for guys like Charles Wesley who earnestly, fervently study the Scriptures, whose greatest desire is that people know who you are, and who out of a filling of the Holy Spirit, write and write and write. And they tell us these amazing truths. There was, there was tension between us and you. The tension needed something. And the balloon popped and the angels streamed out of heaven and they declared, Jesus is born. You know the one, the Christ, Emmanuel, the incarnate. Thanks for guys like Charles who can bring that story to us. I pray that as we go into our Christmas season, we can get our heads out of the mall from time to time. Get our heads into what it's really about. 
feel the tension ourselves and then with great joy praise you, praise you for doing what you said you'd do and calming and bringing reconciliation. And I pray that we can use our lives to live into that reconciliation, to have that new birth, to be what we were created to be. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.